Welcome to the Math Chat Podcast. I'm Mary Bridget Burns, and I'm joined by Emily Ackman. The Math Chat Podcast is a service of the American Institutes of Research. We are talking today about Chapter 4 in the Visible Learning Book, uh, which is about surface mathematics learning made visible. So, Emily, tell us about Chapter 4. Um, the thing that I liked about Chapter 4, you know, and the thing that I like about when they discuss surface learning conceptually, which is something that I think was touched on, was it in Chapter 1? Mm -hmm. um, as well, uh, is that surface learning, surface doesn't mean shallow, surface, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't mean, uh, you know, easy, surface is introductory, um, and that it's surface because it's just kind of, the, if you think about it in layers, it's, it's that first layer, and I love the in the doghouse example that was given mm. at the start of the chapter. On page where, 102. On page, yep, 101 and 102, yep, yep, a 101 and 102 where the teacher, you know, starts talking about uh, three dogs each in five dog houses and how you have to write the number three five times and how you have to keep doing that and how it's easier to write five times three um, and that was her way of showing them how or her showing her students how that happened um, I thought it was a very clever and clear way of explaining it um, I also yes. like on page 103 when they talk about surface learning is best when it's employing specific high-impact approaches that foster initial acquisition of conceptual understanding, followed by associated procedural skills. So it's that initial acquisition, and it's just really trying to get you to understand a concept in the early phases. Yes, and so listeners, I want to turn your attention to the PowerPoint slides. Emily Ackman has put together some really great slides that correspond with Chapter 4. And on slide 2, this is a graphic that comes from the authors of the book. It, it graphically ex explains what Emily has just said, that surface does not mean shallow. This is building a new understanding or building understanding of a new topic and you're trying to build upon the child's prior knowledge, what they already know so they can see the connections to this concept that you're introducing. And I think that teaching takeaway that you highlighted, Emily, on page 103, mm -hmm. being specific, using approaches that you know are high impact, because you're just doing the initial understanding of this concept, followed by the procedures. You're, you're building almost, for lack of a better term, I don't think the authors like this necessarily, but like the muscle memory, like, okay, I've mm -hmm. I've ridden this bike before. I may not have ridden mm -hmm. a bike with all these gears, but I've ridden a bike and I get the principles. I remember, I remember this feeling of riding three, five times to get 15. I remember pedaling those pedals. This is, I can build upon what I already know. And well, uh, even, sorry, mm -hmm. to build on your analogy, that the concept, um, I, my kids are smaller, of the um the strider bikes that don't have oh, pedals right. to yes, just get better. kids used to that like um that balancing on two wheels and then 
you know, and lifting their feet off the ground to do it. And then eventually transitioning from that to a bicycle that, you know, you push back on the pedals to stop and then eventually to a bicycle with handbrakes, I think, uh, not to cut you off, but that's, that's a good analogy yes. yes and and listeners i think many of you are teaching at the elementary or upper elementary or middle school levels and your students you can relate to these these concepts and i think some of your students because i know from our work across rhode island as a project they may be physically and emotionally middle school students but their math understanding is actually much closer to the elementary school students that their fundamentals that surface level is really important because while they are say in fifth sixth seventh grade they're still mastering place value they're still understanding how these things work together so surface learning is essential you can't just jump to transfer you need to make sure that they understand and i i know my our listener friends are well aware of this, but just to emphasize it. And that's why uh, Fisher, Fry, and Hattie are taking the time in this chapter to go through surface learning because it is, it seems to me, Emily, uh, from teaching, from working with teachers, that sometimes we as a professional community might gloss over that, or we just don't have the time in the day, frankly, because we have so many other obligations to make sure we're really going over surface concepts. Yes, I, I think that's a very thoughtful way of putting it. I think that makes me think of also to that point, the, the teacher does not hold any instructional strategy in higher esteem than your students learning. And I think that to that point, yes. that that is one of the things that I think is really important about surface learning is your only goal is to communicate the material as effectively as possible. Yes. Um, and I think I used the example before when I taught first grade, you know, trying to uh, work on triple digit numbers, just recognition with my students. You know, I had one student who I tried manipulatives and color coding and tactile and so many different, you know, ways of understanding. And um, just coincidentally, because she had an older sibling who was doing like a flashcard drill she realized that like that sort of flashcard drill is what what works for her and her learning. Um, and, you know, that's not the way that I would have taught it because I wanted to, you know, grasp that understanding, but that really worked for her. Um, and mm -hmm. so it's not about me and what I think is best yes. for the teacher and we you know how you want to do it. Um, it is very much about what gets the material into your students minds and gets them really grasping it which again um, to that point about surface learning is you should you know go back to like these ideas are things that should be gone back to multiple times in yes. order to and in different ways to make this sure that process. students are really understanding iterative yep perfect statement so important to mention that too that it's not one and done that yes making sure that this is understood and that's why they have this ribbon graphic i think um mm -hmm. as their descriptor of these concepts and i also wanted to mention emily on on slide three this may be broadly throughout the book is that it's something that mm -hmm. it, what you're saying it's not only it's not about me as the teacher it's about what's going to work for that kid but that 
that mm -hmm. child is able to relate to either because of siblings or because of their own um, learning style preferences, that just because it's high impact or works for that child doesn't mean it isn't also a high effect uh, impact. Like it doesn't, yep. it also have high effect sizes. From the research that Hattie has done, we know that some of these techniques are mm -hmm. grounded in empirical research are being really impactful. So, you know, teaching yeah. that vocabulary, teaching yeah. math vocabulary is essential for this process. Uh, and I think that's a really good example, I think, of where it's not one and done, that we may talk about, say, place value when they're mm -hmm. in elementary school, but we still need to talk about it when they're in middle school, that it's mm -hmm. still place value. Uh, and as they go on to hire more complex concepts, uh, we this is based on this foundation. Uh, and when uh, the authors are talking about the different tasks and mm -hmm. approaches, like mathematical talk, the guide surface learning, uh, they mentioned mm -hmm. number talks, which many of our listeners are very familiar with because our project works so closely with teachers to do number talks. And that starts on mm -hmm. page 107. And that is such an effective way of making sure that surface learning has been understood and mastered. That's a good point. Um, one of the things that I have thought about, so to, to your point on slide three, what I was saying about coming back to it, that is what they refer to as spaced practice with feedback, is, you know, giving students feedback and coming back mm -hmm. to the revisiting the concept. Um, something that is on, I think, slide six is talking about the, the worked example. And I wanted to bring us to the Padlet uh, on chapter four. Yes. There's a very interesting and I think robust discussion about worked examples and specifically um, whether showing students worked examples that have uh, mistakes in them if there is value in that um, yes. and it seems to vary by grade uh, you know but there were and it's just by by teacher or coach um, but there was an interesting discussion about whether they found use in that. Everyone seemed to find worked examples useful, but whether, you know, showing students misguided thinking, you know, does that lead them down the path where they are not understanding the concept well, or does that help them further cement the concept? And mm -hmm. I, I struggle with that, you know, myself. So I, I understood the varying opinions and I appreciate um, people sharing them. Yes, we love the discussions on Padlet. They are excellent, as you say, robust, interesting, and there seems to be a real community developing there. So thank you to everyone who is actively participating on Padlet. And I think the worked example, yeah. I'm so glad you've mentioned it on slide six. You know, this is clearly there's an effect size that is significant for worked examples and mm -hmm. it is provided as an option in this chapter, but if we're going to connect it to surface learning, getting them mm -hmm. to talk through the procedures and, <clears throat> excuse me, and really making their, as we say, making it visible, uh, making it listened to, that the teachers have to really pay attention to what is a child saying? Is a child using the right vocabulary? Is a child mm -hmm. going through the steps in a, a certain fashion or is there a pattern here? Uh, it could be very illustrative to the teacher of what actually is going on inside that child's head. If you have a student who has special needs 
or differently abled or just goes about it in different. I used to joke. Um, <laughs> I used to do merry math, Emily. Uh, I would <laughs> all through elementary school. I would get to the right answer, but it was a long, meandering, backwards way. But because nobody sat me down and said, "Okay, how are you thinking about this, Mary? Talk us through how you get to this point." Uh, mm -hmm. It just wasn't done. If they had, perhaps they would have helped me <laughs> shorten that path because everything took forever. Uh, but I think you know, worked examples are a good tool, a conduit to understand what's going on inside the child's head, which is so important for surface learning. Well, and I think I agree. And I think, you know, to that point is going back to that piece about vocabulary. You know, I remember being told to show my work, you know, during math classes and thinking like, well, why if I got the right answer? And I've certainly had students say that to me as well. Mm -hmm. And the key is that first off, there's the value in like in speaking, like talking through things, the self-questioning, the self-verbalization mm -hmm. and self-questioning. The effect size mm -hmm. there is 0.64. So that is well over a year of growth um, that comes from talking through this. And so that in and of itself, like helped me to conceive of like the literal value of you know, getting students to engage and to show your work, but then also yes. it's that vocabulary because as they say on page 120, vocabulary knowledge is a strong predictor of understanding across content areas. I know you and I have talked about this in ELA as well as in math. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and, but that really like talking through, understanding the words, um, they give the example of a math word wall which mm -hmm. I just think is so valuable and, yes. you know, using sentence frames, which I, again, you know, we, we have core instruction and we think of it, you know, and because of testing, it's obviously done. It's, it's thought of as uh, siloed, but the reality is, is using the vocabulary of math helps you in math and in ELA. Yes. And it's also, wouldn't you say a, a way to build equity within your classroom too? If you've got this oh, work wall and you've got students who maybe they're English language learners, maybe mm. uh, they don't have folks talking about math with them when they get home from school, it doesn't have, uses takeaway instead of subtraction, for instance. It allows them to engage in the mathematics in a more meaningful sophisticated way and they can articulate what they mean much more effectively because they got the right words and it exactly. to me the lack of vocabulary doesn't necessarily mean the child doesn't understand the procedures mm -hmm. but that the child could do the math maybe but couldn't tell you how and that will at some point limit their math growth uh, because they need to be able to engage with the content and so this is so essential uh, as all our listeners know, I'm sure, of, of making sure that they are part of this larger conversation. And on 122, I liked the five dimensions of vocabulary. So this goes to Krombach and Graves, who's a literacy guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, journalization, application, breadth, precision, and ability. So it's not mm -hmm. just knowing the, the terms, it's really using them across those five dimensions of vocabulary so they really are getting a deep understanding of what is yes being I think that's on slide nine also excellent 
Excellent, excellent. Sorry. And throughout this chapter, I really liked how there are several videos that mm -hmm. go into more discussion um, and examples of what is being discussed when we talk about surface learning. Uh, and it also provides so many concrete examples of how this could work in a classroom. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I really liked it. And that's what we expect yeah. from this book, but it's still really refreshing. Um, yeah. What did you think about the discussion of of micro teaching and um, other like activities like mnemonics? Like, what are your thoughts on those? So I thought, I mean, the micro teaching it has the effect size of 0.88. The way I understood micro teaching is it's taping yourself and watching it to learn about the way you instruct. Which I did this. It is hard. I, I'm not a fan of watching myself on video. I assume most people aren't, but but I, I see the value because as you mentioned, I don't remember where, but in some conversation we've had about this, you know, if if a year of learning is point is an effect size of point four, mm -hmm. watching yourself as teach and then mm -hmm. watching it with a critical eye and adapting your instruction. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that the benefit to your students is over two years of learning. Yeah. And so huge? to me as a professional, you know, you, you get over that discomfort. Well, and then, you know, Emily and I work with districts across New England. And I recently was doing some research where the teacher was saying, you know, due to the pandemic, due to uh, just short being short staffed in our particular building, we haven't had a chance to get a lot of feedback from our peers. Our principals are popping in and sometimes doing formal observations. But I really miss just having my my colleagues just drop in my room and watch a class. Well, right. if you can't do that uh, for various and sundry reasons, the pandemic being one of them, you know, maybe mm -hmm. this would be a good option, even if nobody else has to see it. Um, and I agree, yeah. it is so awkward. I <laughs> As soon as I saw this, I thought of a time when I had to record myself and basically I just managed to get a picture of my backside because I was writing on mm -hmm. the board and talking. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I would turn and walk amongst the class. Uh, but it was not a very high quality camera and it was just awkward. But I got good information on how I was talking, the pace mm -hmm. at which I was talking, how I was answering questions, uh, or perhaps, um, not giving enough wait time. Uh, so I think that there could be a lot of value, even if it's just for a short period of time on your phone, if you get, of course, permission to do so. But I think there is something to it. And I thought it was just such, it was much more significant in effect size than I would have guessed. I was really kind of yeah, blown with Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I for to your point about the schools we work with, I think, you know, because peer observation, I, I find it immensely valuable. You know, I found it valuable as a teacher, more so sometimes often than formal observations, um, you know, because the recommendations were, were so much more useful. Um, but, you know, doing that for yourself, it's, it's easy enough and obviously has a, has a great benefit. Soon, I wanted to talk about, yes. you know, manipulative. I'm a tactile learner, so I, I love them. I, yes. you know, love them for my students, love them for my kids. You know, I was eating breakfast with my kids and like just like at one point while we were waiting for something we just like I took out pennies and we were counting through them and moving them around and talking about that you know kids yes um often benefit from that 
And I, I was really surprised and enjoyed the uh, effect size of mnemonic of mnemonics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the example we used in the PowerPoint is uh, King Henry doesn't usually drink chocolate milk to talk about the um, the unit um, the, the metric system. What? Metric system. There we go. I was like, mm-hmm. what is the non-American system called? There we go. <laughs> um, in the metric system and. It, you know, just uh, because the way they put in the book is it's a lot of knowledge that you yes. like cram into this little thing. And, you know, I think we've all gone back to the ones that we found useful many times and were great. I think so, too. And I was when I read this section, first of all, manipulatives. I know with the pandemic, many of my teacher friends and relatives are it's very stressful, especially with little ones trying to keep things clean uh trying to follow protocols it is crazy difficult and i'm sure many of our listeners have created little bags and and items just baskets maybe like these are your manipulatives and i think Mm -hmm. this actually could be a silver lining because they take on a greater magnitude and influence or importance because these are mine this these are my Mm -hmm. tools for learning and we are going to use them very purposefully because it's such a pain to keep them clean and not mix up with other people's stuff so i thought that was kind of interesting in this pandemic world that we're in um and then and they they have them on computers now as well but it's not to me it's not that same tactile experience not at i mean quite literally not yeah it's not the same and there's something to be said and the picture that emily's included in the slides uh, I think I immediately thought of your Montessori background and it's perfect because mm-hmm. this is, especially for our younger friends, they need to feel it. They need to, mm-hmm. to physically hold those, you know, the four and the one to really make it feel like five. And that's important. Um, and yeah. mnemonics, I think quite often we don't think about them necessarily with mathematics. This brings us to the discussion questions, which are on the survey listeners. We look forward to seeing your answers. We get a lot out of reading those responses to the survey questions, which are the, exactly the same as the chapter questions. And we look mm-hmm. forward to your contributions to the Padlet as well. We really do listen and try to respond to those as often as we can. And we love the conversation happening across the Padlet. Yes, and especially chapter four has been very interesting and very robust. So please continue to contribute to those and let us know if you have any feedback on this podcast episode or uh, any questions at all or suggestions you'd like to offer on the concepts related to surface learning. Our next Mm -hmm. podcast episode will be about the next aspect of this. So we go from surface to deep. So deep learning Mm -hmm. made visible in chapter five, and we'll be talking about how we apply some of these same ideas, but to deep learning. So thank you, Emily, for your time today. Thank you, Mary, and thank you.